It is time for Going Off Track. Uh, Steven, as always, with uh, Brad, our audio producer. Oh! Wow, that's amazing. Uh, television producer, but podcast host right now, Michael Kenjemi. Hi. Yeah, yeah. And uh, rock journalist, music journalist. I shouldn't say, well, how many other styles do you do besides rock, Jonah Bear? Um, you know, I do some stuff with actors. Romance. I do, yeah. You're but journalist, a journalist. Yeah, you could say rock journalist. That's my main that's my main thing. Fair enough, you do it. Uh, this is very exciting because we had a very, very successful Kickstarter run. I want to thank everybody who supported us uh, to help us out, to get the podcast going, to create the website. And we had a very, very kick-ass, dare I say, launch party for Going Off Track which had performances by Joe Troman, first ever episode. He was the guitar player for Fall Out Boy, The Damn Things. He's a new band called With Knives. Who are awesome. You should check out. Yeah, the EP is withknives.bandcamp, I think. You can go yes. download it because he's just putting it out there, right? You can pay what you want for it. Right. It's, you know, it's a very cool sliding scale. Kickstarter basically turns everything into PBS. Yes. So like, give us some money, we'll give you a tote bag, and you can watch Downton Abbey. I think that's how it works. But everyone uh, donated us. Uh, we had an amazing donation from a young lady named Robin Lusto who gave the appropriate amount of money to get her own theme song written, which everyone but me is going to work on because you guys are all <laughs> guitar players and I have no talent. But I'll help with lyrics. You could play percussion. You could program a drum machine. Yeah. <laughs> You guys have so much faith in, in, in the abilities I don't have. I want to see you actually record playing actual I've never seen you play drums. You're not missing anything. Yeah, but I think we kind of should. Yeah. Probably. We should all yeah, collab on I think it. you've got to, you know, it means more when you, you know. Yeah. It's Even like if you were just hitting, yeah. It's like a handwritten letter. You know, Quincy Jones never really played anything, but We Are the World's really a good song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think I am Quincy Jones. I'd like to introduce you to my daughter, Rashida. Um. So the party, uh, this is what's funny about the party. Uh, I don't think any of us really ate dinner. Mm, nope. So Truth. one beer became like five, and I was just looped. And I didn't mean to. It, we had The show began with a, an all-girl improv team called PIG, which stands for Pretty Improv Girls. Uh, but, then, but then we had uh, Jonah booked us for uh, the launch party, um, Bridie Elliott. Yes, it young, was hilarious. Young She's comedian, hilarious. so funny. damn funny. And then uh, Billy plus Joe, which is Joe uh, McMahon from Smoker Fire, and uh, Billy the Kid, who's this? Uh, she's a singer songwriter from Canada. They came up from Richmond and did some tunes, which was cool. That was awesome. Uh, that was the best part because uh, after we made enough money at the door that we we actually made money afterwards, and I used that to pay them, you know, gas money. But it was only eighty bucks, and I promised that a hundred. So the whole event, we were twenty dollars in the hole. Not bad. Right on. It's not <laughs> it's terrible. It's how we roll. We got drink tickets. We did get. We drink did tickets. get drink I was tickets. So psyched. <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> all right. That made my whole night. Yeah. Like, Here are your drink tickets. I'm like, <gasps> it was like they just gave me a college fund for my kids. It was phenomenal. And then of course headliners Joe Truman and uh, Matt Devine from Kilhanna played a David Lynch cover. Uh. Mercy Street, and then they ended with Wave of Mutilation, which was great because it was kind of a weird version that they oh, did. Yeah, and I really dug it, but I don't think anyone else in the crowd except for us probably got into it. Yeah. I was totally into it. I have a bunch of video of it. I'll yeah. show it to you guys. Yeah, well, let's put it up there. Uh, the final is that my editor? <laughs> yes. It's like, are you with Mike? <laughs> yeah, my my guy's always playing hooky. Uh, it's so funny because like, I had I just like cracked a joke like the night before. So I went out. to see Kraftwerk. Oh yeah, and like they actually did an encore. I mean, it's so like it was Kraftwerk at the moment. It's so, and I turned to my buddy and I cracked a joke. I'm like, it'd be funny if they came out and did a cover, Pixies, because that's like what you do if you're like a cool band is you do a Pixies cover. What do they do? They just came out and played more Kraftwerk songs. <laughs> they did Autobahn again. <laughs> it's they, pretty surreal. Anyway. They did. They did. They, they bring Africa Bombada out. And... No, they brought no one. They just stood there and looked really scary. I, I mean, they looked exactly like they looked like Nazis. They looked like they would. They like they're sitting there at their desk. Of, scary Germans with. Uh... They looked scary. They looked like they were planning how to kill everybody in the room. <laughs> Do you ever see that? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Do you ever see that? That's what Germans look like. Asha, zoo Asha. 
So uh, the cool part about the party was Time Out New York came to us and said, tell us about this event and your podcast. They went to the venue and said, this looks interesting. What is it? And Time Out New York for that week listed us as what, what to do to make it your perfect, perfect weekend. weekend. Yeah. It was the Your Perfect Weekend page. Two things for that Saturday and one was our podcast. We hadn't even launched the podcast yet. Mm-mm. So not too shabby. <laughs> Not too shabby at all. Today's guest is uh, the incomparable Anthony Green. You know him from Circus Survive. You know him from his solo work. We know him from just being a really overall cool dude. And uh, Joan and I sat down and talked with him when he came here to the Going Off Track HQ. And he talked about all kinds of... Jo- Anthony's just a fabulous dude. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that new Circa record oh, that God. they're working on now. If you don't have his solo stuff, please go get it. Yes. And- all the circuit records, but uh, here you go, Anthony Green going off track. It's going off track. For those of you tuning in, tune in. stop <laughs> saying that. Uh, our guest this week, Anthony Green. Uh, you know him from his solo work, from Circus Survive. Some of you were introduced to him through Seosin, which is how I first heard of you when mm-hmm. I first heard the Seosin record, and I was blown away by it. And That's cool. I'm a jaded schmuck. I don't, it doesn't take a lot. To <laughs> yeah, but back then you weren't jaded. Not yet. Maybe <laughs> Less jaded. <laughs> they really that was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm not jaded. Um, I but, just hate it. <laughs> uh, Anthony and I are connected in so many the strands. It's like Ke- Kevin Bacon has it easy with six degrees. <laughs> the strands that you and I are connected are so bizarre, and it's ridiculous. But I remember the first time I met you was in Austin, Texas, at South by Southwest. And we were shooting a whole bunch of interviews. In like a little hallway. In a hallway. Yeah. It doesn't rain in Texas except when we're there and we're ready to shoot outside. <laughs> so we were shooting in at Emo's in a storage closet yep. that we had affixed with an AP banner. Our, our friend Aaron Wilson, when he was working at AP, was like, yeah, you can use this room. And he tacks up a banner. So we're doing everything Aaron. in front of the banner. He's the best, man. And I, he's so great. Yeah. And... Uh, you came in with the band and we were waiting to get set up and go squeeze in this room in front of the camera. And there was this weird exchange. My wife was staring at you (laughs) and you were staring at her and then she went off to deal with something Mm -hmm. and you went into the room. We did the interview and then we're back at the hotel and my wife's like, that kid in Circus Survive, is his name Anthony? And I went, yeah, yeah, Anthony Green. He was in sales and she went, I think I've I've known him since he was fourteen. <laughs> she was actually at Lori and Jeffrey's house like the second date I ever had with my wife Meredith. Yeah, her her uh, her niece. She said he was this kid who would come in <laughs> with his hoodie pulled way up. And he would just stand in a corner. And he was very very quiet. I was pretty uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a weirdo, and, it was, and I was feeling things out a little bit. Well, of course. Well, that's. I mean, <laughs> my wife and her crew of friends. You can't just walk into that mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, that's that. You kind of have to ease into. I was it. like six, seven years younger, or maybe even more than that, and I was just like stoked to be around everybody. And I was like, I'm just keep my mouth shut, not try to <laughs> get my, keep myself out of trouble. All right, so just just so we get the the, the connection, that connection, great. So so your wife Meredith's mm-hmm. is. Her sister? Who's her bro- um, her uncle's wife. Her uncle's wife. Lori. Right. That's Ronnie's sister. Ron Ragona <laughs> from Spring Hill from Jack. From Spring Hill Jack. Okay, got it. My wife dated the drummer from Spring Hill Jack yep. years ago. And, so and she also went to high school with my brother, Chris. And my wife went. She didn't go to high school with your brother, but she knew people who went to high school. high school. Okay. My wife went to all-girl Catholic oh, she- prep. She went school? Mount St. Joseph's. Okay, see, yeah, the Mount is, like, right down the street from my parents' house. So my brother went to Archbishop Woods, so they had, like, they knew each other. I know all these stories. I know, Joni, you're like, what? I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's interesting to me. I'm just, my brain is kind of... This outside, these suburbs of Philly with these Catholic schools, it's... It's crazy because there's all-girl schools and all-boys schools, and yeah. there's a couple— and they're like sister schools, and it's, it's a weird thing. Every time, you know, even—especially now, like, when people ask, you know, or in the past when people would ask how Circa knows each other, you know, that's the same thing. It's just, like, we all had mutual friends, and we all sort of knew each other as, like, 
individuals and before the band started and it's like it just gets into like this you know family tree of weirdness where it's hard to really pin down like you figure you know you realize like oh shit we were like at the same shows you know for years and never even spoke to each other and yeah, and Life's then you hear a story like about your brother's car catching on fire. Yeah, that's true. That's, just, that's the one my wife throws out. Like, yeah, ask him about the car he was like on famous. fire. He was famous for that. He, like, parked his car under some dry leaves, this old Lincoln that was the shittiest paint job ever. They bought the Lincoln, and it was a shitty paint job, and they spray-painted it silver. So it just looked, like, absolutely horrendous. But it was this awesome car, and my brothers all shared it. And he parked under some dry leaves and went into a party, and then... Every like heard a giant explosion came out and the car was on fire. Wait, how does how did it? I guess it's like lo- it's low to the ground and there were all these dry leaves. And okay, like, all, you know when the when the fall comes and in the East Coast like the the leaves just get pushed out in the middle of the street. So they were you know it was all it was all risen and the car was super hot. Just wow, boom. I didn't know that could happen. That's yeah, crazy. It was crazy. Trish literally recently, and and many other adverbs. I was parking uh, the car. Over some leaves, and she was like, "You didn't break these leaves." Up. And I went, "Well, I mean, what's going to happen?" She went, "It'll catch on fire, like Anthony Green's brother's car." When I was in high school, I was at the party. I'm like, "All comes back to Anthony Green." Absolutely amazing. <clears throat> and then, of course, so that was that was circa. Mm-hmm. And for fans of yours, they know the story about you were in Seosan and you wanted to you you were you were wary. Yeah. Now having those thoughts of not sure. Was that at the Spring Hill Jack show that that's what you're talking about? That's when you were trying to figure it out? I would, that's when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, um, you know, I was really just trying to assess the the risk that I was taking in, in trying to do this, you know, to, to going out there. Because I didn't consider myself like a musician or like a singer. It was like this was something I was going to try and do, you know, I was like or try and like pull off. You know, I wasn't necessarily thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm a singer. I'm going to go out and join this band. I was like can I fool these people into thinking that this is something that I can do and fool my parents? I told when I would tell my parents, you know, they were, they were like fucking, they were astounded. They were like, what are you talking about? Like, like you can't do this. Like you can't do it. Like you could do it, but you're just going to come home. You know, you're just going to, you're just going to fail at it. Like there's no future in this for you. And, uh, I don't think they weren't being supportive. I just think they were trying to be super realistic. And I was just in, I was in like punk bands and never really took anything seriously. And, um, never took anything seriously, whether it was stuff I liked to do or whether it was work. And so they didn't really see how, you know, I, they, I didn't really see how it was going to work either, but I just wanted to try it. Were you always the singer in the punk bands? Yeah, I was like the only one out of all my friends who was like, I'll sing. Are we using singing in kind of like a loose sense? Very loose. I mean, like in the <laughs> sense that like, you know, uh, like singing, screaming, yelling, like back then, when you know, I, my, one of my favorite bands was like Braid, you know, I listened mm-hmm. to Promise Ring all the time, and you know those recordings, those early recordings. Like no one was like trying to be on key. You know, you were just trying to get the feeling, this guttural feeling across. And I still think that that we're focused on that. You know, but it's it's definitely more fun for me when I when I'm in key with a song. <laughs> it took me a long time to figure that out. So did you? You just literally said, "I'll sing," because your voice is. I mean, you you have one of those voices where when you hear it, you go, "Oh, that's Anthony Green." You have crazy. a very discernible voice and it's it's fantastic it's when awesome. i first heard seosin the uh, it's awesome i'm so i seriously every day i'm like fuck man i'm so lucky i can do this shit it's amazing <laughs> so crazy i mean and basically untrained right yeah i mean i mean i've taken a couple little like lessons and talked to some people and i've had really good friends of mine give me some tips but yeah it's not i'm not i don't know i don't know what i'm doing but those tips are probably so that you don't hurt it yeah that's big. Yeah. and for longevity and just you know, like common sense stuff. Like you don't want to be like smoking, you know, before you have to sing. Some people can handle it. Like Gerard from My Chem can smoke a pack of cigarettes all day and go out and play a whole show and hit every note. And you know, it has to do with his range and 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 his confidence in in what he's doing. And for me, the second I take a, a drag of a cigarette, you know, I'm like, fuck, man. Like I'm wondering and I'm nervous. Is this going to affect my show? So. Um, I'm, I, I shouldn't be. Is this cursing okay? This is the internet. It's so funny when people ask that. I'm just making sure. No, yeah, of course it is. Okay, no, yeah, I yeah. just don't know because I have a terrible. Let me move these Bibles. I have a terrible. 
I have a terrible habit uh, with 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 cursing. Have and, you met my wife? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, recently, I mean, we've done stuff in the past where I'm like, oh shit, I have to fucking not swear right now for 15 minutes. I have to not swear. We're pretty sure that our children's sure. first word is going to be balls. <laughs> yeah, my J- my son James was literally today was going fuck, fuck, <sighs> and I'm like, we're we're like cracking up, but at the same time, we're like. Shh. <laughs> what are we gonna do? How old's James? He's uh, seventeen months. Wow, bonkers! It is bonkers. Bonkers. I wanted to ask you how Soundwave was. Because how were those Thursday shows? They were like the most intense shows I've been to in a long time. Really? Let alone play. Um, you know, and that was the other thing that was weird about our conversation that we kind of jumped into was I was at a I was at a Warp tour with with Ronnie and. Uh, Lori and, and and Trisha's friends when the Boston's were playing and there was some dudes from Spring Hill Jack playing with the Boston's and Thursday was playing that year and I was a huge Thursday fan and I'd seen them you know locally and and they played with uh, you know the guys other guys from Circa's old band this day forward and I remember going up to those dudes after the show and being like hey did you hear the ever hear of a band called Open Hand because there's guys from Open Hand that are trying to start you know what was Sayos and I was like, I'm thinking about moving out there, California, and they, you know, it was like right after they got done playing, I totally punished them. I think it was Tom and Tucker, and I, I distinctly remember just going right up to them. That's like the worst thing to do to a musician like, when they're done playing, just go right up to them and be like, hey, I'm going to fucking talk to you about some shit right now, even though you just walked <laughs> off stage. And uh, they were just like, yeah, man, go out there. Everybody's out there. You know, just go out there, dude. Like, and I think they were, you know, they were super nice to me. In retrospect, like I, I was out of sort of out of line by going up and just bombarding them. They were super nice to me, and I can remember like sitting and watching their set from that stage, and the last Thursday show ever, like not just the headliner, but the last show on Soundwave. I was standing on stage at the exact same spot, just right behind Tucker, right where Tom was. Just could see everything, and it was like I was flashing back to that moment. Like that at that warp tour, being on stage, being like, "How did I even get on stage to watch Thursday?" Like I felt so cool, you know. Like I just huddled myself in with the people that were, were moving up there. Well, and shit. And then how must it have felt to sing with Thursday? I've seen crazy. you do it. I went. I ran out to do it at the last headliner that we played together. It was a side wave show at the in Melbourne or Sydney, um, and uh, I came out to do it. And it was just like everybody was. Everybody watched every note of the entire set, everybody on the tour. And we, we played a show that was Saves a Day. And like, a lot of the guys from Soundwave, you know, guys in like Four Year Strong and, mm-hmm. and A Day to Remember all came to watch the last show. And it was just super emotional. You know, that band has done so much for uh, music and, and for, uh, you know, I guess, you know, for rock music and, and people our age. And uh, I just see them as, as a cornerstone for a lot of the reasons why Circa is able to be a band. And why I'm able to play music, you know. So uh, it's sad. It was sad for me. Can you tell a story about the? It was the Roseland show. It was you it was circa Rise Against and Thursday? Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And I remember I was I was up in the balcony, and there was a guy from I think he was Virgin, and he was he was like so pumped about Rise Against, and he was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna head out after this. And I went, Why would you do that? He said, well, I don't want you to see Thursday. I went, have you seen them live? <laughs> yeah. And he went, no. I went, just shut up and just stay. Chill. Yeah. Like, I, want, here, here's a be- I won't let you go. And afterwards, yeah. he went, right on. I was like, of course. <laughs> but uh, Jeff came out and sang with Circa. Mm-hmm. And you came out and sang with Thursday. But you yeah. told me that it wasn't really a discussion about Jeff coming out with Circa. Yeah. He just was just like, he was like, hey, I want to come do this. And I was just like, whenever you want to do it, it's cool. Like, I never wanted to be the guy that was just like, checking you know but he always just came out and wanted to jam it's weird you know getting getting to know him was strange because he was somebody i really looked up to and i mean somebody i really look up to and i admire and it was very difficult for me to go from being like a giant fan to like getting to know him as a person and and you know uh not just like this guy whose records i listen to and whose lyrics i really enjoy and this has been the same thing with you know chris from saves a day and all those guys i you know i had a chance to talk to them about it a little bit and fanboy out on them uh, you know on, on soundwave and just be like you know i'm gonna be 30 soon and it's strange for me if i went back to like my 16 year old self and was like yeah you're gonna be like going to a koala farm with Chris Conley and Chris Carrabba <laughs> and you're going to be buddies with them and you guys are going to be going and hanging out like I would have been like nah fuck you 
Like that's impossible, <laughs> you know? And, uh, just, it is, it's strange for me. I don't always go back. I don't normally go back to that spot where I think about what the 16 year old Anthony would think or feel, but like, man, it's just, I, I'm so lucky to be able to like hang with these dudes and to have them as friends and be able to get their input on songs and to be able to just work in the same way with them and, and still be playing music. That's gotta be later. huge to go. Hey, Jeff, Chris, Chris, what, <laughs> yeah. what do you think of this? Yeah. Well, I had this kind of a similar experience with the Thursday guys too, because I met them in like 2002 and became friends. And then I played in a band with playing band yep. with Jeff, and then we played Gros Rock a couple years ago, and Tom played guitar, and yeah. I was like, I'm on stage in front of thousands of people, and like <laughs> Jeff and Tom are singing, and I yeah, I'm yeah. on stage like playing an instrument. Like this is so weird. <laughs> are you part of the new shit? Yeah, it's uh, Jeff played me some of the stuff that he uh, did on his like iPad. Yes, and I was like. It's strange because some, like the recording of the vocals, he did it with the iPhone headphones with the little mic on there. And it was like better quality sounding than most of the records that were like sounded like that at the time. Yes, definitely. When you you go back 15 years and you listen to like Spaz or you listen to, you know, Crippled Bastards or like any, any like, you know, any number of the thousands of fucking grindcore. Listen to a lot of Orchid, yeah. Orchid, yeah. Yeah, You you hear that shit and you're like, wow, this is like fucking raw. Yes. This shit that's on like like an iPhone essentially is like better recording quality than any of that shit. I mean, for me as as an artist, like I get super emotional about stuff like that. And now having like, like being like somewhat of a provider and having to think about more than just myself, I get really intense about that shit. And can very easily go down the rabbit hole and forget that my task at hand is just to keep my shit together. Right, right. <laughs> and, and not fucking, and not worry about this inevitable zombie apocalypse that could happen and when w- the world runs out of water and wheat and when fucking there's too many people. And that shit scares me. A lot the of those things make either. sense except for the one thing. What? People aren't going to, the, the dead are not going to reanimate. I don't know, dude. It's not going to happen. I don't know, dude. Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. I want to know why. Because the second I have a morbid fear of zombies. <laughs> Horrible fear. Stephen loves fear. comic books and can't read anything I with can't zombies. I can't read Walking like, Dead. I don't like zombies. I saw Walking... I saw uh, Not a Living Dead too young and it yeah. fucked me up. Everybody has that kind of thing where you see something... Uh, uh, the spider crawled on me when I was three. I can't look at spiders again. For me, it was zombies. Great. Okay, a zombie is uh, something in uh, Haitian culture. It's part of voodoo. And a zombie is a living person that you zombify and you make into someone who's just kind of dead, but they're still alive. So they're not fucking dead. Yeah. You, know, you can watch Serpent and the Rainbow and learn all about that. I mean, I just drove through Manhattan and I saw zombies everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> if you honestly, I'm not even kidding. Like if you if you take that whole mentality of like the old school horror movie zombie, and you just drive through any major city, you see people walking around. You so see like people's the blanks eyes, there. Yeah, totally. You know, and they're dead shark eyes, mm-hmm. and you know, it's just kind of fucked up. You see know? them on the train every day. <clears throat> That's yeah. the thing is, it is the zombie apocalypse. Like people wake up every day. They don't communicate with each other. They don't treat their bodies right like they are wondering why they're sick they're wondering why they're tired and and you know we're all there we're all part of it you know and i I think that there's i think that we're entering a really awesome time in in the world where there's a lot of destruction happening and there's a lot of awareness about you know our the our lifestyles that that it's at our fingertips whether or not it's something that we're opening our eyes to or are opening our hearts to all the time it's questionable but it's there and people are, are being awakened. People are waking up to the fact that every day that we need to come together and really s- stop hurting our bodies, stop hurting our planet, and stop hurting each other. You know, And the, it's a su- super simplistic ideal, ideological way of looking at shit, but I definitely believe in the power of positivity, creativity, and art, and love. And, and um, you know, whether that's going to save my life is you know, questionable, but... Uh, I definitely think that it, it can do it can do more good, you know. I think it was the, it was an episode of the Daily Show, which I watched religiously. Uh, Great show, where they had someone on talking about you know what's the most important revolutionary innovation, and this girl in Egypt said this and held up her phone. Yeah, because now with your phone, which is you know a a, a camera and and texting device that also can talk to people. People are documenting what's going on, document, documenting injustices. Totally. Mm-hmm. And now the whole world is learning about them, you know, yeah. um, and spreading, you know, things virally. 
which is why I get very uh, upset with, you know, SOPA and acts like that yeah. and trying to stop things of that nature. I also feel like, though, at the same time that it, it, it provides you with this, like, ability to disconnect I was going to say from the exact the same moment. thing. Totally. And, and he said ne- that there, just as I picked up my phone to check the timing <laughs> of how long be, we're doing this. There needs this. to be, like, a seesaw-ish balance where at one moment you're able to go and, and absorb this information and let it wash over you and, and, and take it in, but then be present in the moment. So, so I'm sitting on the train and this woman next to me is just sitting on her phone the whole time. She doesn't look out and see anything. We might as well be in her backyard, you know? She's just been sitting on her phone playing fucking Cannonball Run or whatever. Right, right. And she does, like, you know, I wonder about that. And I wonder when, when people are at our shows and they're sitting there and they're not watching us, they're not listening to us, they're trying to make sure they get yeah. it in frame and they want to make sure that the, the fucking thing is so they can walk around with it. Now they have this benefit of having it now. They have it. It's mm. theirs. They feel like they own it. But they weren't really present in the moment. You know, they were worried about capturing the moment rather than like uh, letting it f- flow through them. So I feel like they almost miss out on it. And you, you have to counterbalance with the technology with the with the guttural feeling that you still have you can't like it's easy to to for for things to cancel each other out and it's so easy not to be present in the moment even if you're not on your phone like even like if you're walking through the woods and you're thinking about what i'm gonna eat for dinner and then you know like i feel like it's so easy to wake up and be like i haven't i don't know how i got here Mm -hmm. and the cell phone stuff is crazy because there's not really an etiquette for it. I feel like it's so new and like I want to ask that. You're singing a band and you're on stage. Well, the whole band is on stage. Mm-hmm. And you're watching this crowd and half of the crowd is arms up with a phone. You know, disregard I, I think licensing and copyright and all right. that kind of <laughs> stuff. But they're not watching you. Yeah. I think it's going to change. I think in like 10 years people are going to look back. Like you won't believe how rude people were. In 2012 they yeah, would hold yeah. phones in people's faces. Like it's possible. I think it's going to – I mean I don't know how it will happen but I feel like people – That's because the camera is going to be in your head. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be able to download it <laughs> and you won't care. It's, no, you're it's probably very right. Possible. It's very possible. I, honestly, I don't think about anything when I'm on stage. Like I don't – the people people – they paid their money to get in. Like I'm the, I'm the, I'm just the fucking monkey in the cage, like putting on the show. You know, like I don't look at them and think like, are they dancing? Are they not? Are they into it? Are they not? Are they watching through their phones? I am just kind of like, I'm sort of just overwhelmed with being on stage and having their attention. Whether it's like secondary attention, whether they're just in the room talking to their friends, getting drunk. Like I don't really notice a. You know, unless someone's like getting in my face, which sometimes it's happened where like I've been taken out of the moment by somebody who was being rude or somebody who's being, you know, uh, disrespectful. It does It's a very rare occasion, but mm. I really am just super overwhelmed with the idea that I can like do it and I'm, I'm happy, you know, like I'm super happy. Like no matter what people are doing, I'm just super happy to be up there. So I like it doesn't it takes a lot to get me out of my fucking skin. But when it when it does, I, I flip out. <laughs> What's the biggest difference between circa and your solo stuff? The relationship with the crowd, because I know for me with circa is it, it's it's a very uh, visceral performance. There's a lot of multimedia going on. Mm-hmm. Not so much light, so I guess it depends on Sometimes. where you guys go. Sometimes, yeah, I guess it depends on the venue. We've, I think, Cirque has been getting really good at trying to match production with the live show and how, you know, getting better at figuring out how we can interact with the crowd mm-hmm. and do some cool production and rip off the Flaming Lips a little bit and not have it be too blatant. Flaming Lips um, weren't always like that. If you go back, yeah. they they, I mean, they, they had to rip off somebody. It know? took them a while. <laughs> it goes back to whatever. Prefer, have you ever sat and talked with uh, Matt Wayne Coyne? No, never. But I, I, re, I follow his his Twitter religiously, and I think it's hysterical. I he's think just he's crea- the, very creative, very awesome human being. And and you, you guys are cut from the same cloth. And I'm not like I know awesome. him, but I've interviewed him a couple times. And the second time I did was in a tree. <laughs> and he's and he's just open book, yeah. very honest. This is how I do things. This is how I perform. And it's just this is how I look at everything. Yeah. I don't understand why you're not either, you know, and he's, and he just, it's, it's very easy for him to say. And then we come out of the zipper on the stage, which is a vagina. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. And then everyone has to wear orange on stage. If you're going to be on stage today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I honestly feel like the biggest difference between the circus stuff and, and my stuff is, is that, uh, um, I, for me, when I do circa, I feel like I take on that, a responsibility of representing everybody in the group 
which as for one person to do is almost impossible. So you have to like sort of take on like a, like a different air. You can't be like you can't be like, you know, you, I, I sort of try to tap into the, just the spirit of the band and not really with my stuff. It's like all me. And I'm thinking about, you know, who I'm singing about and I'm thinking about the song and I'm not, you know, with Circa, I feel like there's something happens when I, when I play a circus show that it like makes, makes it bigger than any, 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 any one of us, you know, and bigger than anything I could do, you know, and by myself. And, um, with my shit, I don't, I don't even think about any of that. You know, I just kind of go out and play the songs and they take on the life of the moment. You know, sometimes it's more intense than others, you know, um, but it just represents me, you know, and what I'm going through. I don't have to worry about whether or not it, it fits for everyone else. Was when you were with Circa and you decided to do solo stuff, was that always, I don't want to say part of the deal, but just, it's cool if I do this, right, guys? Yeah, I, I mean, the sort of circus started because I, you know, wanted to make sure that I was in a situation where I could do, I could multitask and do different projects and, the, and have, be, have support from, you know, people to do that, you know? And they were all, you know, they were all like, yeah, you know, we just want to be friends and mm. want to have that be first. And if anybody wants to do anything, we want to support it. But, you know, obviously circus is like our main thing. Um, but I think that, I think it's a little strange sometimes, you know, when, you know, you're trying to juggle two things at once. And it's difficult for me because, you know, the whole reason I started doing the solo thing was because, you know, there were songs that I was writing for Circa that just didn't fit for everyone. It just kind of fit for me. And it happened very organically. And um, Circa is always going to be like my main thing. I don't know if it's something that, you know, in five years we'll all be doing it full time as much as we've been doing it over the last, you know, eight, eight or nine years. Um, but I, you know, I, it's some, it's an entity. It's not like one of us. It's not like, you know, it's, it's not like something that I see ever having like, uh, ever ending. That's like the truest form of a band. If you can keep that and do shows periodically, but yeah. still put out music. I remember the first time I heard, uh, uh, Miracle Sun off Avalon. That was with you. That yeah. was, oh man, you see. And that was like one of those things where like, I wrote that song like three days before that performance and was like, we got to play another song. I want to play this jam. Like it was the most exciting thing that I had ever done up until that point. I felt so excited about the song. It gave me this charge. I wanted to play it for everybody. And with some of the circus stuff, you know, we, I get that feeling, but then you have to go through this process with everybody and the process doesn't kill that feeling. It just sometimes does, it takes away the intensity of that thing where you're like, Oh my God, I want to play this song for my mom. You know, like I want to go play this on TV tomorrow. Like, um, sometimes you just need to sit back and make sure, okay, is this how you want it? Is this how you want it to like, and that process is always done really good for Circa. For me on, with some things and things with like Miracle Sun, I need to be able to just be like, fuck, this is done. This is done. I did it. This is how I want it. This is exactly what it's about. I want it to be about. This is exactly what I want to say. I don't need a filter. I just want to do it. I just want to sing this. Let me sing this. (laughs) I think I waited for like a like. it was the second Circa album. I was like, "Where's, where's Miracle Sun?" <laughs> I see that was the thing. If, yeah. if it would, I think if, if songs like Miracle Sun, Devil Song, Drug Dealer, if they would have been recorded for the second the second Circa record, I probably wouldn't have never done Avalon. I probably would have never done Beautiful Things. I would have just been writing and integrating everything with Circa. But it became a thing where it was like, I think those dudes didn't necessarily know how to, and I I, I didn't know how to be critical about something like Miracle Sun because that shit is like, that is so personal to me. And a lot of the times I'll write stuff for Circa and it'll be personal, but it'll also be open-ended. It'll have a double meaning. It'll be, you know, it'll be for the group or it'll be about Colin or Brendan or something. You know, <laughs> this song will be specifically about Steve. So it's like different and it can change. But Miracle Son, like I wrote that shit about my dad and him getting sick and like super personal shit. I wasn't ready to sit down and like hear like, Colin's thought on the lyrics about that song like right, it was right, like right. not you know and like he I think he I think everybody knew that so it was like okay well, let's work on these songs that we all have this emotional connection to and that you're not like hyped and retarded about and it's it was easier in that in that aspect and the songs like you know kill the baby that um or I don't even know what the spirit of the stairwell that made it onto um blue sky noise like that was a great example of a song that was super personal to me but was was able to become circified you know, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of songs on the new, the newer record that we're writing. This fourth album, 
um, that are super personal for me that were super circified. And those dudes were able to make them into these jams that work for everybody, you know? And, uh, I think finding a way to write and, and have everybody get that feeling like, fuck, this is really awesome. was difficult for us to do over the last three records. And we really, really found a good method of trying different things to get that guttural feeling and get that thing where we all like, cannot not necessarily say like, this is the chorus, but we're like, this song is fucking awesome. You know, like regardless of what happens, like this is awesome. We love it. We know the people that like us will love it. They always have. And it sort of just gives us this confidence. I remember seeing you on Jimmy Fallon for the last album cycle. Oh, I was watching the performance, and I think this was uh, the same day that uh, our, our friend uh, Jimmy, uh, who now works at Red Bull Records, used to work at Macbeth, was like, keep an eye on Anthony's head. I was like, why? He went, he got this symbol tattooed on his head. <laughs> went, you can't tell his hair grew out. He went, just keep looking. I was like, all right. You can kind of still see it. Yeah. <laughs> I got my hair cut um, like two months ago, right in the beginning of the tour, and I'd almost forgot that I had it. And the guy who was cutting my hair was like, holy shit, dude. What the fuck? I thought that was a bruise. And I was like, shit, I forgot all about that. What, what is it exactly? It's a, it's a symbol that Circa kind of adopted for our last record, and it's, it almost looks like a tabletop, you know, like an X with like a little line through it. Okay. And it's uh, like a transient hobo symbol that they would put up on signposts and like near you know old railroad stations and stuff so that when people you know would hop off the railroad or when they would be hitchhiking they would see the sign near a farm or something and they would think like oh they would know that they were safe there they could get fed there they could go get shelter there and we we were looking for some you know something to sort of start the next chapter of the band and we thought like you know giving the people who were looking for it, the sign, like, you're safe here. You can come with us, you know. Then nobody, you know, you, you know, you wouldn't know what it meant, you know, unless you were, like, sort of down and out and you were, like, traveling like that. And we just sort of thought it was cool. So you're saying it's safe in your head. <laughs> yeah, say you can come over here, you'll be fine. <laughs> I don't buy it, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not safe in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, during the, the Fallon performance, you they have fans staged mm-hmm. around the band. You climbed right up in there. Yeah, I got up there and I was excited and then I got up there and I realized that everybody up there was like freaked out <laughs> and like like maybe didn't know what to do and I started to try to dance with them and I was like, mm, no. It's a little bit of an awkward setup though, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I was watching something, I was watching the show last night and uh, who was on, it was with the, the, the Roots were playing um, as like backup band and it was super fucking sweet and I was watching it I was like, oh, it was Elvis Costello. And it was Elvis Costello and just the Roots playing very simple. It was just, you know, Questlove and a piano player. And um, he was, uh, Elvis Costello was playing bass. And it was just like, fuck, man. This is so simple. He could have had like 15-person band out here. And it was so perfect. And I remember looking at him being like, I was on that stage. That's awesome. <laughs> and then Elvis Costello climbed up on the... <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, then he put the mic <laughs> in his mouth. And he I want to get involved in voiceover so badly. I just don't know how to talk Me to him about too. this. Let's do it. Let's, let's start a company. <laughs> you know, the thing about voiceover is everyone wants to get involved. And there's about 50 people who do it professionally. <laughs> Seriously. And there's like fuck 5 million people that want to do if it. You, if you want to get involved in voiceover, pay attention to commercials on TV mm-hmm. and listen to the voice. And it's usually... So it's like Tom Hanks. Or like Tom Alec Hanks, Baldwin. Uh, Alec Baldwin. I just heard one the other day. It was John, black, John Krasinski. Guy. Zach Braff does one. Zach Braff does one. And it's like... See, his voice to me, like, I should be able, we should be able to do that shit. Yeah, but we're not them, and they they have this appeal, and they pay us more money. I don't know. I've had. I think that once you do like of like I, like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to get involved in all. Why that are you shit. trying to get involved in the? You ever heard of, uh, people when they sing on commercials? Yeah, like, you could do that because do you, that you're shit. like really awesome. I want to start a me and Nick Beard from Circus Survive. I've been joking around for years about starting a jingle company and writing jingles and like. We write little jingles on the spot for things just to like be funny about it. But I, I would love to start a company writing jingles and just fucking do that shit all the time and just constantly send little things out like to publishing companies and commercials, being like, "Yo, what do you think?" <laughs> when did you get back from Australia? You might- like yeah, like less than twenty four hours ago. Oh, really? What? Yeah. <laughs> so you don't even know what day it is. I do. I just found out it's like it's like Thursday, right? Yeah, uh, it's, no, Friday. it's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. It might be Thursday for you, though. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, uh, like two days ago, or no, yeah, uh, 
yesterday was my first day home. So yesterday, the night before that, I got in and we traveled for like 35 hours. It yeah. was amazing. I saw Lucas for a little shit. while and he was on like 40 hours. I was going to see him today. Out. I was supposed to see him today, but I think he's hanging out with his lady. I fucking love Lucas, dude. He's, we had so much fun this weekend. Yeah. This, it was two weeks. <laughs> it, it was less two weeks and it feels like it was just a little, little long So weekend. you bought home. You've been away for how long is Soundwave? Soundwave was only two weeks, but I was, I was on tour for two months before that. Okay. So you haven't been home to see your son in a while. Well, he was out on the two-month tour a bunch, so I got a chance to hang out with him when That's I was touring great. the U.S. Yeah, it, it was weird because he came out with on, with some Circa dates um, when he was like seven months, and it was it, it just didn't work. And now that he's older and he's you know walking around and talking and 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 doing more stuff, he was just more fun and he was easier to have out and. It was like having your cake and eating it too, you know. But the two weeks in Australia were – I definitely missed him like crazy. So it was like I got home and then today when I got taken to the train station, like he's just like, Dada, bye. No, <laughs> no, bye. Oh, <laughs> I fucking hate it. <laughs> but it also feels pretty sweet to just have, have, uh, have that type of love in your life. Do you have? I felt like last time we talked, and we can cut this out if you want to say. But did did you say you were having another kid on the way? Yeah, no, you don't have to cut okay. it. Out. I have a kid. Uh, what? Meredith's pregnant and is due May like sixteenth. <laughs> right on, yeah, dude, Irish congratulations, twins. <laughs> Irish twins. Yeah, well, if you're if you're far away, you know, when yeah. you travel and you come home, you got to get busy. You know, you, know you got to get busy. There, there, there are needs. There are needs, and uh, I, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm not a complainer when it comes to those things. Do you know what you're having? No, no, she wants to be surprised. I personally hate surprises. This is the only surprise I can tolerate because it's pretty fucking cool. But um, you know, it's a surprise whenever you find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, that was that was my wife's argument. She was like, "Oh, we're finding out." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> whatever you need." Yeah, no, that's my thing. Is I just want. I'm just like, fine, whatever. You know, she started we talking. We started talking a little bit about the idea of like a little. Little snip snip for me after this, and it's like I'm not gonna argue with you because you're pregnant, but I am not gonna do that. <laughs> like you're, no one's going near my shit with any sharp shit. Yeah, unless it's you and it's warranted, and we have a safe word. Humans have existed for a long time before that. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Like, there, there is, there is control. Gonna... Yeah, I have, I have a number of friends who've done the, the, the snippage, and yeah. um, I remember my buddy from high school. He got it done. And he came home and he was like, I'm so sore. And his wife went, yeah, you see the two kids. Go <laughs> I'm fuck yourself. Sore too. <laughs> I'm, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm down to try some other alternative methods before we start going yeah. and cutting things out. I want to start trying the fucking some sweet I, I other feel, methods. I feel like you don't, I feel like the human body has evolved in this way where it's so optimized that like, that's why I don't like plastic surgery. Like, I feel like that kind of stuff freaks me out. Like, it's yeah. like, it's supposed to be this way. Like, Let's not change the way nature has things well, set up here nature, too much. Nature yes. will also fuck you up. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a huge political issue now. I don't know why it is, but it's a huge political issue, contraception. Yeah. Whereas the mostly why women use the birth control, the birth control. It's not like I used to talk for a living. The birth, the BC is We're trying to do it. the podcast in English today. And it's, uh, Steven's second I'm language. Sorry. I've been playing The Sims a lot lately. I'm confused. <laughs> the reason most women take birth control is to keep their period from slowly killing them. Yeah. You know, it's it's physically really? debilitating. Yeah. Tell me you know this. I didn't really I I've been single most of my life. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, I've had, I've had. Wait, you don't know stuff about periods? <laughs> Come on, dude, you got to get knowledge up on the period We're talk. T- teach you about menzies. <laughs> Let's teach you about some menzies. Oh, so God. like, shit fucking hurts, <laughs> and a lot of girls in high school go on the pill because it I, just to stop that shit. Just to cut cut it out because it's hard to focus. I'm sure. It was, I mean, it's. I remember this girl in school that I was like, oh, she just went on the pill. Because she used to be super skinny and then all of a sudden got curvaceous because estrogen going in. But, you know, she was in a lot of fucking pain beforehand. So it's not just, as Rush Limbaugh mm-hmm. said, hey, you're paying me to go out and have tons of sex. No, you're also no. paying me to keep um, a, a cyst from growing inside me. Yeah, yeah. But I just do. I just take it for my acne pretty much. Skin looks <laughs> flawless. Thank you very much. What, is, what is a menzi? That's, menzi. Part of, that's, that's a menzi. You can also say period. You know what? We'll Google it. 
Okay. Yeah. We'll Google it later. Gotcha. We'll Google Menzi later. Oh, stuff to learn. <laughs> I know all this shit. I know Anthony does too. Dude, there's so much shit I wish I didn't know. Yeah. Like, there's so much shit I wish I could go unknow. Like the word, like the phrase cervical mucus? Oh, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, there's so much. I, mean, I know. I watched it. Law and Order SVU. I feel that's as close as I get to any of this stuff. You know what? I tried. It came on. I, I was home for like, I was home for a few hours and it came on the night I came home. And there was, it was just the most brutal fucking shit I'd ever seen. I was like, yeah. dude, I can't fucking watch this shit anymore. I was like, where's Stabler? Stabler used to be like, I know. It's, he's it's gone. without him. And then it's too intense. There's too much. Harry Connick rape. Jr. Harry Connick Jr.'s on. People are getting raped and deceived, <laughs> yeah. left in the park. I was watching it the other day, and I was like, dude, there's, there's shit now being a dad. I can't get into that shit. Like, I can't watch Law & Order anymore. Seriously, so I'm like, I can't watch anything. <laughs> anything involving kids. Especially. God, damn yeah. it, we were watching Boardwalk Empire. And spoiler alert, the girls got polio. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, you know, so, yeah, yeah. so they go in, and, and, and the girls got polio, and it's in the 20s, so they have to do a spinal tap, which – that's how they still do. And the kids screaming, and my wife and I are both sobbing, Crying. sobbing. Dude. Like cr- having a kid changes everything about the way I'm you sure, watch TV. It doesn't because you know, certain jokes aren't funny anymore. Really, like, certain people make certain jokes, and you're like, "Fuck you! Don't fucking joke around that shit. Don't joke around yeah. about that shit." Or like, there's like a television show. I'm like, I, I okay, I don't make fun. Like, there's a show called Parenthood that I got sucked into watching because my wife's super into it, and. There's like just this episode that happened where like something happened with a baby and we're both sitting there crying like little babies, like little pussies and just bawling our eyes out. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't not empathize with it. And, and I right. was like, I don't need this in my life, man. Like I should be reading a book right now. <laughs> like I should be like, I should be fixing something in the house. Like I should not be watching this, getting emotionally connected with these characters. And like, it's super hard when you have kids to not get emotional about certain things it's, it's, it's weird it's it's crazy last year at south by uh my kids were born i in, remember this the next yeah. week and so the whole time i'm at south you're by, like was, on, looking at your phone all the time <laughs> boop, boop. freaking the fuck out and so i was like well how do i compensate well i'm gonna drink every second i can just yeah, to like, that so, works. just to keep it at a distance and not freak out and checking in with uh, my wife the whole time so i was interviewing the dudes in a uh, greek fire mm-hmm. guys from store of the year um uh ryan and I was saying, oh, my wife's pregnant. We're going to have twins. And he went, man, I'm going to say something. And it's going to sound weird, but when you have your kid, you'll understand. When my daughter was born, I realized that I had the capability to murder someone. Yeah. And I went, what? Freak show. And he's like, sounds weird. But I've talked to other dads, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, when you have your kids, you're just like, all right then. You realize, like the to the extent in which you will go to protect them. There was this, there was a story about a, a tornado in uh, Kentucky where this woman was on the Today Show because when you have kids, you get up super early, and I watch a lot of morning. I love TV. the Today Show. Dude. What do you think about? It? You think Ann Car- Carey's pulling it off? Okay, Ann Curry. Because <laughs> I don't think she's pulling it she, off. Dude. She does not <laughs> speak well. I don't understand how she got put in that anchor position. But just She's to, had a pretty good amount of time to get like her fucking feet on the ground so far, and it's just like, yo, you're you're fucking, you need to get your shit together and stop being so fucking nervous all the time. She's, I can't really talk because I flubbed about everything I've said today on the podcast. So I'm gonna listen. Shut that this is a different thing, okay? You're not anchor. You're not. Tra- you're not on the Today Show. You, yeah. you know, you work with not you yet. Work, you're, <laughs> honestly, you're gonna put your shit up against the shit that I've said all day, and it's gonna sound. You're gonna sound like fucking Einstein. Like I, my shit is. I am not an eloquent speaker. I. I uh, you know, but Ann Curry, <laughs> but Ann Curry just has had all this fucking time, dude. She's had all this time to get just be like, all right, you know what? I'm fucking Ann fucking Curry. I'm smart as shit. I'm hot as shit. I can be comfortable. And it's like she's I still trying to get her two feet. Of those. You don't think she's hot? Uh, she's oh my god, I, I love don't her. really know who she is. You would know if you saw. I would, her. The name sounds familiar. She, she, I keep thinking of Adam she's Curry from MTV. She's replacing Meredith. She's Vieira. Adam Curry. She replaced Meredith Vieira. Okay, she, Meredith Vieira was like, oh my god, man. She 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 you could not have anybody better suited for that job. I loved her too. I was sad to see her go, but I've been giving Anne <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. I want to see her do well. Today she said something, and I was like, what are you doing? Why did you say it? Like, how do you still do that? Like, how come you're not like just shuffling the cards, being comfortable, you know? Like, 
I think that people work out a lot of their negativities and, and go on and with their little comments. Uh, my Definitely. opinion is, fuck comments, dude. Like, no, we've talked about this before. I used to uh, love the internet would be so much better if comment sections just didn't exist. Yeah, I, I often thought about that. I don't that. read them. I can't do it anymore because I'm just I'm too fucking sensitive, and I don't need that negativity <laughs> no, totally. in my life. You know, like I'm putting shit out there to try to you know to try to make my life better and to try to uh, you know add something to the world, and you know some douchebag. That has the power in my mind to go on there and and type something that is going to live in my mind as this criticism that means something and matters and getting over that and 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 being like fuck that is something that has been a difficult thing for me to to deal with and I'm getting better at it. Everybody in the band is getting better at it, but it, it it provides the world with this ability to go ahead and just be fucking mean and hurtful and negative and. Uh, People like me who have a, a, can't distinguish sometimes those types of things from reality, um, you know, get worked up over things because I want to be better and I want people to like me and I want people to like my art and I want to make connections with people. That's why I do it. I wish you I could know sit back and say, like, it's just you... for me, but it's not. I, I want that. And, but I only hear the negative thing. That's my thousand point. You sift through a thousand things and you're going to be the like. The one guy who's like, fuck you. Like, that's the guy who I you know, who, and who lives in my mind. So I just take it all f- with a grain of salt and don't pay attention to it and realize the people that like it will continue to like it. I don't need to respond to their comment or hit like on their thing or whatever. Like, you know, they'll appreciate the fact that I need to almost stay away from their comments just to not get fucked by the one. I like know? how comedians do it on Twitter where if they get a negative comment, that's the one they retweet. I re- that's what we, we Circa always did that. I, <laughs> Circa always did that. It's, I think it's a funny thing because we have crazy loyal fans and if we like, someone gets at us with something and we retweet it <laughs> and like somebody was hurtful to us, like our fans will go to bat for them Dude. and it's, it's sweet. Like I've seen our fans battle with like Bieber fans and all these <laughs> other people. Chris I used, Brown I used to respond to people whenever they would say something negative which I'd go, uh, Thanks for watching. Yeah. Hey, do you like Iron Maiden? <laughs> yeah. Killers is a Flip great record. <laughs> and that was it. And then they'd go, what? I'm like, now you should listen to Iron Maiden. It's a good See, That's band. the thing is you never know. Like somebody could be just sitting up there and like, honestly, there were times and I, there were times where I was in love with a band and just didn't like the fact that certain, certain people liked the band and it was like, fuck that band, you know, because they were popular. And there's things that the, the internet provides this veil for you to say things that maybe you don't necessarily feel, but just to fuck with yes. people. And I love fucking with people. But it's stuff you would never say face to face to someone yeah. ever. And maybe you don't even actually mean. It's just you're just you're just you're just kind of venting or or whatever. Like it's hard to overanalyze it because a lot of it's just straight ignorance. Right. And and we want there to be a reason. We want there to be a motive. And we want to rationalize it because we want there to be a solution. There isn't. It's just negativity for negativity's sake. And it, it'll it follow the person who put it out there like like the wheel follows the wagon yes. like a wagon wheel. It'll take it. They will that negativity. They'll carry that forever. And as long as we don't take it on and take it personal. It never has to touch us. It's just learning how we can be critical of that and take it in and, and find a way to actually make it work for us and not have it be the thing where it's like, fuck, everybody hates me. Well, you know? I think it's because there's no repercussions for anything there too. It's like, yeah. And I probably talked about this before. I have a friend who was in prison for a long time and he got out and I was like, how are you adjusting? Like, you know, it's a, it's a really serious situation and he was like, I'm fine except – if someone cuts me in line at the grocery store or something, he's like, because that won't happen. Like in prison, you'll get you don't do that. beat up. He's like, you can't do that kind of stuff. And he's like, it happens in real life and there's no consequences. Yeah. And that will set me off. And it totally makes sense because you're used to like, you can't do that. Everyone has to respect each other's space. Everyone has to do something. So regimen, then you get in the real world and people are just dicks. Yeah. And it's like how you feel like someone should be enforcing it. You should be enforcing You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone should spend a week in prison. <laughs> To learn how to wait in line and not cut <laughs> Which, when I, they go see Iron I, Man I, I think that, like the guy did. <laughs> <laughs> I think that people are really having to learn and accept the fact that the the rules of are, and the etiquette or etiquette is changing. Yes. You know, when you go to concerts, when you're at the grocery store, when you're dating, like things are changing. People, you know, you, you have to be super self aware and it's it's and if you're not, you're 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 just gonna end up super lost, you I know, agree. and constantly wondering like, why is this happening? Why am I in pain? Why am I not connecting? Why am I lonely? And it's you know, it's it's <laughs> it's a complicated thing we get. They're not thinking that. They're typing that. Yeah, in they're typing that to their friend. As why do I not? Why can I <laughs> stop doing this? But at the same time, I feel like I can be too self-aware. Where it's like I'm not gonna recline my seat on this airplane because the person behind me might be bummed. Exactly. Not, and it's like at some point, There's I'm like I have to. 
I have to, this is crazy at this yeah. point. Like, I have to live my life, too. I can't. But yeah. there are plane rules. And here's the most important rule on a plane. If you are in the middle seat and there's a seat to the left and the right of you, I defined middle, you get both armrests because you don't have a window and you no. don't have the aisle. So if you're in the middle, you get both. That's the rule. I kind of agree with you. No, it's the rule. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree. I just took like, a, I, in the last two weeks, I've flown like a gajillion times. Oh, God. And uh, my whole thing is that you just don't, I am a super personable, per, I like talking to people. I right. love it. But when I only have a couple hours of sleep, I don't necessarily want to get into a conversation with somebody. And when I put my headphones in or whatever, like, I, this sounds like the biggest dickhead thing ever. I love people. I love talking. I don't necessarily love talking to somebody on an airplane that wants to just vent about stuff. And for some reason, my whole life, people have like looked to me. People I don't know have felt comfortable with opening up stuff to me, and I don't necessarily know why. And I this on the flight, fucking on the flight from Perth to Sydney, these two people just relentlessly, these this older couple just relentlessly talked to me about their vacation and like. Their, how much they hated the weather and how much they hated the fucking people and all this shit. And it wasn't, maybe it would have been different if they were psyched, you know? <laughs> right. But right. I was just like, oh my God. And I'd put my headphones in and feel like a little, little tap on my arm and like be like, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you still trying to have a conversation? Like, I have my eyes closed, a blanket around my head and my headphones in. That's the international symbol to- for please shut up. <laughs> I'm headphones trying- <laughs> are in. I've hit play, conversation done. I'm trying to watch Ides of March, leave me alone. <laughs> 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 Which I watched like a thousand times. I watched that. I watched like every Ryan Gosling movie there has come out in the last like three or four years. Even even the DVD of the Mickey Mouse Club. I didn't watch that. I actually didn't even know he was on that until a couple Dude, days ago. He was ago. on that with, with JT and Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. My wife loves him so much. She's Ryan Gosling. Loves oh, Ryan yeah. Gosling. Can't get enough of him. And like we were in cafe. We were in Cafe One Hundred One once in, in California, and uh, he walked in. It was just Mary, it was just my wife and I. She was pregnant with our with our son, and he walked in and sat at the counter and was like talking, you know, with like you know about a script or something, with, you know, some papers in front of him with somebody. And I wanted so bad to go like ask him to take a picture with her, and she was flipping out. She couldn't eat. She couldn't talk right. She was just like had that smile on her That's face so all so down. Like, oh my god. <laughs> she was like you with Thursday. <laughs> yeah, she's like me with everybody I've ever met. <laughs> she's like I've I've met like the weirdest people. I met like a girl from Teen Mom in the airport once, and I like fanned out. I was like, I love you, I support you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did that with. Did you ever see the movie White Boys? Yeah, I saw the main dude, uh, Danny Hawk. Danny Hawk oh, dude, coming out of Danny the post Hawk. office on Bedford in Williamsburg, and he was and I've that I, me and my friend watched that movie in college like a hundred times, and I saw him, and it was like. He has such a distinctive face that, and then I had that split second where I was like, "Do I say?" I like figured out who it is. He's walking towards me, and I was like, "I just put it out." I'm a huge white boys fan. <laughs> I'm a huge white boy fan, dude. <laughs> and he was like, seemed like a little out of it, and he was like, "Oh, cool, thank you." And there was that weird thing where like, I wasn't sure if we were gonna stop, or, and then he kind of kept walking. And then I was like, "Oh, like see ya." Like, but I was like, "Why did I do that?" Like, there's that, a but there's I, a porn star at a circus show once. Her name <laughs> her name is Riley Mason, and uh, I'm unfamiliar. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. um, you know, uh, yeah, I you know, I just outed myself as being a, a guy who watches. What, porn. what outed yourself for having as a big dick? A penis, yeah. as having a penis? You're on the road a uh, lot. But she was one of she was somebody. This. She was you know, I, I I had seen her before, and I, I always thought she was really attractive, and. Uh, you know, she was at the show and she knew people that were playing in one of the bands. And I like went up to her and I was like, "Hey, I love, I love, I love your stuff." And she gave me this look like that was like, "Fuck you!" Like times a billion. And I felt super shitty about it. And then you know, I just felt super shitty about it the whole time. I was like, "What do I do in that situation? Like, do I say nothing? Do I say like, hey, I've seen your boobies?' You know, like <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, she, I know she got bummed. I know I, really because I, I would think she would be su- like, I mean, I think like- you either are super pumped to be doing that, or it's like you had, or you're just yeah. really bummed. And you know, I, honestly, like, it was it was a weird thing for me. It was the first time I realized, like, wow, sh- they they don't like this. They don't like that at all. <laughs> like, this is just some weird thing." You know? Maybe she thought this was the one time she wouldn't get recognized for I what she does. I was just pumped to meet her because I thought she was sort of. I was just pumped. I was like, I was seeing you bang. Bum. I thought you, yeah, I felt the same thing. Like I thought you'd be stoked. You know, like you do this for a living. Right, right, right. See it, and I've seen it, and I thought it was cool. It's like that scene <laughs> in the I, doors where now, he meets the porn star. The guy. I admit it, like, I've, I've never seen been your there. movies. You got a really good penis. Yeah, nice dick. <laughs> 
But, you know, she, I, I felt really creepy about that but, afterwards. But, you know, what's crazy is I feel the same way, like, when I meet comedians or anyone like that, like, I get really, like, around musicians, it's yeah. like, whatever, no big deal. But you see someone even, like, that's on, does something different and you get super nervous. And you're like, this person isn't that famous in the grand scope of thing. But for some reason, but to for me, you. like, yeah. I'm just not around this type of a. Yep. Which is a weird deck. It's, I, it's I, fun I'm, to fan out when you get a chance. When I met Chino from the Deftones, I was going to ask you about that. I was that. flipping out. <laughs> I, I flipped out, and he was like, "It's cool, man." Like he was so cool. Like I, I, I was because totally he was so up. high. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's very possible. Uh, I just, uh, oh man. I've been on that bus. That bus, like, yeah. there's a haze. There's a haze. Yes. Yeah. They have guys, very professional ways of getting high, that band. They that's, like, it's, it's a very positive little, thing. Like, they have these little, like, vaporizers. That the just pocket make, vapes. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. They are, but they're, like, the nicest dudes ever. And it was, like, they one are. of those things where immediately after I got, like, you know, the annoying, like, hee, I love you type of thing, he was like, hey, your band's awesome. I'm stoked to fucking be out with you. And then, you know, you're able to, like, actually start, like, a real relationship with those people. I think it's fascinating that, to circle back, that your voice, which is so in, indicative and, and it's its own style, the singers you like, Jeff from Thursday, Chino from Deftones, they all have voices that are their own, yeah. their own signature style, but there's a similarity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at heavy metal, you know, there's Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford, uh, you know, and then Jeff Tate from Queensryche, and they all have there's these, like a quality there. It's a quality that you can you can go really high. You can yeah. talk to bats. There's an emotional <laughs> range to it, um, and there's a relationship with the audience that's transformative. Yeah, and which you've taken to an extreme of even dressing up on stage. Mm-hmm. I've seen you, uh, but it's. It's amazing to me that you say that you're just happy there, there's, there's, there's a gratitude. Mm-hmm. There's a gratitude for an audience. And well, it's because I know it I, from being such huge fans of uh, – I'm just being a huge fan of music. Like I know how – what music is, is – what its capabilities of in your life if you hone it, right? And so when people come up and they're like, oh, man, we love your band or whatever, like – I fucking know that shit. I know that feeling because it happens to me every day still. It happens to me with the Deftones and with Thursday and with Good Old War and with, with music and Queens of the Stone Age. And I, I listen to music on the way here this morning where I'm like, I listen to this song. I listen to this Queen of the Stone Age song called Suture Up My Future. Over. It's a four-minute song, and I listen to it like the entire two-hour drive, two-hour train ride here. Just because of these couple parts that just give me this creepy, sleazy, awesome feeling. And like when people are like, oh man, your music, blah, blah. It's like, dude, I know. I don't know. I don't know how our shit does it, but I know that we're only reciprocating this feeling that, that you're describing that we have with other shit. And it's, it's like a way, it's like how we're related. You know, it's like a, all these weird vines that go out and um, they create inspiration. You know, and we're all being inspired and then doing something inspiring with it. And then they're doing something inspiring with it. And it, it creates like a big ripple that always comes back to you in one way or the other. You know, maybe it's completely untraceable, but um, it, it comes back to you. Uh, Anthony, I think we can describe him as passionate, would you say, Jonah? Absolutely. Yeah, it's so interesting how my wife has known Anthony since he was 14 and just this hooded little kid, and he's, you know, married to his high school sweetheart. And I've always wondered about his head tattoo. I'm glad we got to talk about that. Yeah, that's a bold move. Mike, have you ever thought about head tattoos? Head tattoos? You have a lot of tattoos. Yeah, I don't know. Face and head is where you go, I think, cross the line, I think. Well, not cross the line, my line. Would be. I, I still find neck tattoos to be really odd, and then I, I remember I that do... I have one on the back of my neck, like a dipshit. I'm like, why would you do that? Uh. Oh yeah, forgot. What's the What's the rule? Brian Setzer said you never get a tattoo where a judge can see it. Oh, that's a good. Rule. That's a good rule. Yeah. So as long as I'm facing forward, that's kind of a good rule for life, I guess. As long as you're facing forward. Yes, that's another good rule. <laughs> Actually, you know who has a badass head tattoo is uh, Frank from Gallows. He's got a snake yeah. tattooed around his head. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's like full on. But like, yeah. it, it's got to be unbearably painful. Yeah. Mm. I can't imagine. Anything over, I mean, I, look at me, I'm 
I don't have tattoos, by the they way. They suck. They hurt. But they anything over a bone is yeah. just un, it's unbearable, right? That's yeah. like the worst place. They're all had, pretty unbearable. You're, you're stabbing yourself with ink because you think it looks cool. That's I had really to get the, a blood test last week, and I was like, this hurts. <laughs> and I was like, I can never get tattooed. Dude, my, when I, my tattoo artist wanted to do the, the creature on my elbow. And I was, he's like, it's going to be... It's going to be pretty bad. And I, he's like, but you're pretty good. You know, you could deal. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I want to do the creature. And if you could do it on my elbow, that'd be amazing. And then as it started, I was like, this is the worst idea ever. <laughs> and it was long. I mean, it's it's like it was probably it hit every nerve that could kind of shoot through. Like your elbow is, I don't know what, what the, it's like the hub of nerves for the rest of you. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> and I don't know how it worked. I was like, there was parts of me that were like, my legs were kicking. I was like, you're hitting weird reflexes. <laughs> And then there was just points where I stopped talking because I was just like, like oh, I had a, a biker come up to me at a at like a, a bar and literally this huge biker and he's like, how'd, how'd that elbow tattoo go? <laughs> and I was like, let me see yours. And he had like he had like you know some sort of a spider like, web, spider web yeah. thing. But, but he was Shocking. also yeah. But he was also like, man, that's a fucking look. And I was like, yeah, dude. And he's like, that shit hurts, man. And I was like, you're seven feet tall and huge and a biker and chewing on a fender. Yeah. Dude, we had uh, one of the one of the revolving bass players we had in the Goops was this guy Zippy who had been in the Mentors yeah. and he oh. looked like a big biker dude yeah. and at that and at this time was a terrible raging alcoholic in the Mentors shocker <laughs> <laughs> Zippy had the best tattoo you pull up his shirt and there was no shit like a ten to twelve inch diameter bomb only just filled in at the very top. Because he'd gotten down about an inch into it and was just like, no, no, no. <laughs> See, that's got to be terrible. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's genius. Uh, music on today's podcast and all podcasts by the Goops. Yay. <laughs> I dig it, man. I think it's great. I actually just, I said that too. I was like, it's really, really good. It sounds great. We're, pl- we're pleased. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Why the fudge what i say see you when it's an audio medium and guys and guys why am i being so sexy because we know that it's all meant with your mind's eye you're seeing we will share our experiences with yours you collective multi-gendered whole <laughs> w-h-o-l-e not Courtney this Bob. is just getting better <laughs> all right perfect yeah that works yeah.